Father, from which every family in heaven and earth are named. 天的父神,我们感谢你,愿你是在我们在天上地上所有的家庭的父。And you gather us together as your dear family.你同聚聚我们,我们就成为一个家庭。And we sit around that large table where our Lord Jesus sits at the center.我们围绕着这个桌子,桌子的中心来是我们的主耶稣基督。And so we've worshipped our Lord and our Master.所以我们敬拜我们的主和我们的主。And now we gather around your precious word.那我们现在聆听你的话语。we pray that you will instruct us as the family of God to see and to fulfill your higher purposes by your spirit do lift us up to higher ground we pray in Jesus precious name Amen Our brother Christian shared back a few several weeks ago. And in his sharing, he gave us a biblical picture of the family life in Psalms 127 and 128. These Psalms say two things. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain This not only applies to the church, but to our families. The Lord is the builder of our families. And if we look to Him, our children will be like arrows used by the Lord. And in the other wonderful picture he gave us in Psalm 128, it simply says, How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. And we saw the vine and the children gathered around the table. And the blessedness of the family. This is a wonderful picture from the Bible. The Lord gives the word of God to instruct us in the truth regarding his family. And the Lord wants to separate us from all the lies of this world regarding marriage and the family. So forget what American television tells you about family life. The Lord intends there to be no desperate housewives. Forget those Brazilian soap operas. That's not what marriage is all about. And I don't know what the Chinese media is telling us, but I'm sure it's a lie as well. We have one source to understand the blessed family that God has designed, and that's in the Word of God. We want to look at some scriptures this morning regarding that very matter. I turn us to three very familiar passages in the New Testament. 
beginning in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul is now telling the Christians how to walk out their calling, their holy calling. And he talks about living full of the Holy Spirit. And in that context of the Spirit-filled life, he immediately brings up this matter of wives and husbands. And so we find in verse 22, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For as the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. 丈夫也真爱妻子，如同自己的身子，爱妻子便是爱自己了。从来没有人恨恶自己的身子，总是保，总是保养顾惜，正像基督待教会一样。因为我们是他身上的肢体。For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see that she respects her husband. And then we turn to Colossians chapter 3. A few short verses. Verses 18 and 19. But we must go back to verse 17 because he's, he's summing up how we should live our lives. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That's verse 17. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. 
Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. 你们做妻子，当顺服自己的丈夫，这在主里是相相宜的。你们做丈夫的，要爱你们的妻子，不可苦待他们。And then we want to turn to First Peter chapter three. 我再翻到彼得前书第三章。And now the apostle Peter emphasizes this marriage relationship. 那现在是彼得，那就讲到这个夫妻的生活。Beginning in verse one. 从第一节读起。In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of the wives, as they be observe their chaste and respectful behavior. 你们做妻子的，当顺服自己的丈夫，这样若不信从道理的丈夫，不信从道理的丈夫，他们虽然不听到，也可以因妻子的品行。And then verse seven, you husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. 你们做丈夫的要按情理和妻子同住，因她比你软弱，与你一同承受生命之恩的。所以要敬重他，这样叫你们的祷告没有阻碍。And then we want to go all the way back to the beginning to the book of Genesis. 我们再翻到最起初，看到创世纪。A few verses from chapters one, two, and three. 那我们第一章、第二章、第三节，我们第三章我们都看起初的经节。In chapter one, verse twenty-six through twenty-eight. 第一章二十六节读到二十八节。Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it." Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. 二十六节，神说：“我们要照着我们的形象，按着我们的样式造人，使他们管理海里的鱼、空中的鸟、地上的牲畜和全地，并地上所爬的一切昆虫。”神就照着自己的形象，乃是照着他他的形象造男造女。神就赐福给他们，又对他们说。要生养众多，遍满地面，治理这地，要管理海里的鱼、空中的鸟和地上各样行动的活物。And then in chapter two, 第二章 ，We all know these stories. 我们都很清楚知道这些故事。We read verse eighteen. 第十八节。And the Lord God said, "It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him." 耶和华说，那人独居不好，我要为他造一个配偶，帮助他。And verse twenty-one and following. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which had been taken from the man, and brought her to the man. And the man said, "This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man." 二十一节，耶和华使他沉睡，他就睡了
于是取下他的一条肋骨，又把肉合起来。耶和华神就用那人身上所取的肋骨，造成一个女人，领他到那人跟前。那人说：“这是我骨中之骨，肉中之肉，肉中之肉可以称他为女人，因为他是从男人身
what a beautiful creation this was. Oh, Adam's eyes almost fell out of his head. He says, I see my woman. I am Ish in Hebrew. Isha, Ish, Isha, I like. God would use this testimony of marriage. What a beautiful life they had. Because we see in this very original marriage that marriage is made up of three, not two. There's the man, there's the woman, and there's the Lord. That's marriage. This triangle together. God would come to them and speak to the man and the woman in the garden in the cool of the day. Nobody had to tell them to have a family altar. They wanted to have a time with God. She was his completion. He was her fulfillment. Look, look how open their love was. The description is they were naked and were not ashamed. They were intimate and affectionate. They were transparent. There wasn't all this selfishness and pride and all. They were learning about life. And they were living by the Lord God. What a plan God has in this marriage. Everything in the universe will see that a man and a woman speaks of who I am. And everybody in the universe will see this man and this woman that speaks of my son. And everyone will know that God wants one, oneness and union with, with all mankind through the Son. So marriage is a great mystery. Because it's speaking of Christ and the church. And if Adam and Eve had taken of the tree of life, then this relationship three-way would continue on. They would be changed from glory to glory. They would subdue the earth, inherit the earth, and present it to Christ, the Son of God. Oh, there was a glorious purpose in this marriage of testimony. But of course we know of the fall. What was the big deal about the fall? A moment of disobedience. But they lost the triangle. Now a man and a woman are two ways. Marriage has lost the blessing 
of the involvement of God intimately in their relationship. But God immediately came and spoke to them. He would not let them go in just the way of sin leading to destruction. He immediately came to them in the garden. But now they're hiding from God. They used to be so waiting for God to show up. But now they're on their own. So God comes to them and says, I will not leave you on your own. I'm going to give you a covenant of marriage by law. And throughout all of the cultures of this world, there's a law of marriage in There's a man and a woman married. They belong to each other. Leave them alone. It was a means of protection. It was a means of blessing. He said, now you will still be fruitful and have children. But the wives will have pain in their childbirth. And the woman will always sense a need that's never quite supplied by the husband. Her desire will be for the husband, but he will never quite satisfy. Now, the man will also be fruitful in his work. But with a lot of sweat. With a lot of uh, uh, thorns. And pain. And even though prosperous, Restless. Restless. He doesn't know what for. It's as if there's some purpose in his life, but he can't see the purpose and he's restless. So the marriage today, outside of God, the needy woman, the restless man, because sin has taken its toll, sometimes the needy man, the restless woman. The fall has done much. The man and the wife used to be living partners. Sharing with uh, transparency and openness and affection. Now, She's no longer Isha. For those who are young here, Isha means roughly translated mini-me. No longer he calls her Isha, calls her Eve. Now she has a role. You are the baby maker. Mother of all living. He used to be living partners, now roles. He has this role, she has this role. And though the way was tough, throughout the generations, God kept for himself a righteous family. From Adam and Eve through Seth, 
那是我们的神也应许我们说这个从公义的家庭会有女人的后裔会诞生那么在约瑟和玛利亚两位公义的人他们有了个孩子那是夏娃的后裔成为人类的救主 and how great was his salvation. By his death on the tree, he brought redemption to us as sons and daughters and brought us into the kingdom as children of the kingdom. But further good news for those who were married, he brought marriage by redemption on the higher ground. Reconnecting marriage from just the two-way to the three-way relationship again. What good news this is for marriage. Oh, now the marriage can testify again. We love the son. Our marriage testimony on earth, Jesus is coming back for a bride. What a testimony. And this is a, now a covenant brought to a higher level. God redeemed us. And God lifted Christian marriage above marriage as it's in the world. When we look in Ephesians and Colossians and 1 Peter, we're looking at a marriage on higher ground. It's not like the marriage of the world. I mean, marriage in the world is still a legal document. Christians and non-Christians are bound by this legal contract. These are contracts for support and for protection. But now, marriage on a higher ground. In Ephesians, which is a book all about the body of Christ, Paul says, you know, marriage is crucial to the body of Christ. In Colossians, which is a book about the headship of Christ, marriage is crucial to the headship of Christ. And 1 Peter, which is an epistle about the kingdom of God, Marriage is crucial in the kingdom of God. Look at the picture. Now please, this is what the Lord has called us to. 
Look at the wives. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the love of God. Submitting to their husbands. Helpers. Encouragers. That wonderful prophetic scripture in Proverbs chapter 31 that speaks of a, a good wife. Every time one of our sisters reads Proverbs 31, they always fall on their knees and say, Lord, this is not me. <laughs> But this is our calling. Sisters, to be wise, to be helpful, talented, thrifty, and everything she does, raising the children, godly children, in the gate, everybody talks. Not about her. About her husband. They say, oh, a lucky man to have that woman. People talk about her. Some of you sisters, you go out of this meeting. The brothers all line up along the sidewalk. Now when you go by, did they say, Oh, what a lucky husband has that woman? But this is attainable. As we come to higher ground. What a wonderful picture. This Proverbs woman, with all of her success in business, here's the testimony. 100% for her husband. You'll find no woman criticizing about her husband. She's taken higher ground. Above the gossip stream. She may keep silent her burdens. But she speaks well of her husband. And all the world takes note of this testimony. Ah, but look at the husbands. Wonderful husbands. They look like Christ. They give themselves for their wives. They, they are loving. They fulfill their needy wife. They care about perfecting her. We have an old word in English. Even as we have the word husband, so we have the word husbandman. Now husbandman is what it says in John chapter 15 verse 1. Jesus says, I am the vine, my father is the husbandman. Well, we translate now vine keeper. Ah, that's 
That's the husband on higher ground. He keeps the vine. Christian。那就是这个基督徒的这个丈夫。这是我们眼前的这个幅图画。What is this higher ground that we are to come to in our Christian marriage?那在我们这个基督徒的生呃生生活里面，这婚姻的生活里面，我们是要这更高的处是是在哪里呢？It's called holy marriage，是一个圣洁的婚姻。Now the world can have marriage. And even have some so-called happy marriage on this earthly plane. But holy marriage is beautiful and costly. And the Lord calls every Christian here, man and wife, the holy marriage. And even if we were married before we were Christians, the old ground no longer is a testimony. Holy marriage is what the Lord desires. We look at two passages of scriptures that just mention this. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, just touched upon in passing. Verses 3 and 4. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality and that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. 铁撒罗尼迦前书第四章第三节，神的旨意就是要你们成为圣洁，远避淫行，你们要个人晓得怎样用圣洁尊贵守着自己的身体，不放纵私欲的邪情，向那不认识神的外邦人。This is First Thessalonians chapter four, verses three through five。铁撒罗尼迦前书第四章第三节到第五节。It's a call to sanctification. For everyone. But there's reference here to marriage as well. Some think keeping your vessel is body, something keeping your vessel is the marriage. But in both cases, they're to be kept holy and inviolate. In Hebrews chapter 13. Another practical exhortation on holy marriage. In verse 4. 
Hebrews 13, verse 4. Holy marriage involves the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Some people say their marriage is a cross. But no, your marriage is your blessing. But the way to get to holy marriage involves the cross. We need to be separated from those world lies, attitudes that are in our heads in order to come into a sanctified marriage. You realize, of course, that there's a spirit behind the ascendancy and the pushiness of women in this day. A dominant spirit, a spiritual being, pushing women to become like men, come into the ascendancy, to dominate, to be rid of men. Sounds like foolishness. But that's the spirit behind it. It's the same spirit that was seen in Satan who wanted to be like God. Now we're not talking about equal pay for equal work. We're not talking about equal share of inheritance. We're talking about a, a spirit that's pushing women in dissatisfaction, and this must be cut off if we would enter into holy matrimony. Anywhere you look in the media, television, movies, whatever, do you ever see a man who's good? If you show me one picture where a movie or TV show where a man's good, I'll show you ten where a man is a jerk, he's shallow, he's selfish, and you better just leave him alone. If they got a man in a family, he's always stupid. The wife has to figure out everything. And so wives start figuring everything out. But without their husbands, they lose their way. You ever noticed that in the media? The husband always a duh, I don't know. So, there's a whole mindset that the woman has to fight and be separate from to enter into holy marriage. And then we have men. Taunted 
to be unfaithful. Driven by sensuality into obsession. Push down of any sense of worth and calling. A man is taught to be proud. A man is taught to be independent. Man is taught to be a little tyrant. Oh, pity the woman who marries a little tyrant. Puts his hand in his shirt like Napoleon and says, Do this, do that. I'm the head. You're you're the feet. This is the world's idea. Men, we're superior to women. This is so foolish. Now, every man who says that is proven wrong, of course. Women are usually much smarter than the men. But all of these ideas, all lies, all lies. And would to God that is our greatest problem. Our greatest problem in ascending to higher ground in holy matrimony is our own flesh. Our flesh fights against the spirit. Our flesh is the battleground. In one sense, our flesh, you know, in a marriage, is where you see the most flesh. Now, you can come here on Sunday morning and paint your face up nice, put on a smile, and uh, stand around for two hours and go home, and people say, oh, he's spiritual. But when we're married, we're naked. And I don't mean just in body, naked in soul. There's nobody who knows you like your spouse. That's the real you. And that's why if we're going to come to higher ground as God's testimony, we've got to face this fact in the midst of our marriages. Oh, how naked we are. You know that's true. For the Christian women, even though they know the Lord, yet their marriage is still on lower ground. Constantly fighting submission. Demanding, demanding, demanding. Nagging, nagging, nagging. Instead of making the Lord the center of the home, they become the center of the home. And when they don't get their way, there's a whirlwind in the whole house, and the husband and the kids are spinning around. They may wear head covering in the meeting, but they're naked back home. And you see, 
just where their heart really is. Now, Christian men. As it says in Colossians. Don't be bitter. So many Christian men bitter. Mean. Mean. Unloving. Critical. Lording it over their wives. It's a shameful thing. To see a, a husband criticizing his wife. Ah, just like that in public. This is something of what you've seen on, on uh, Chinese TV. <laughs> but we believe in the Word of God. We're not going with any cultural idea of marriage. Show me in the Bible where it says, Men, be mean to your wives. Show me. I'll show you ones that say, Lay your life down for your wife. But our flesh in our family lives behind the closed doors are just naked. Of course, the man may chirp and criticize, but of course, he still wants his physical uh, enjoyments. When we see Christian marriage as it is today, how do you feel? It can cause despair. We should be the testimony before the world. What union with Christ can do. But statistics say that Christians get divorced as much as unbelievers. Two groups are ahead of us. Catholics, they get divorced less than we do. Of course, they have laws. And Jews. But what about us? Shameful. Our testimony. See the things that go on in the name of Christ. You see such unhappy marriages. You know, I've had a particular insight over the years because I've worked with young people. And when the young people are going through their teenage years, a majority of them Say, I don't want to get married if marriage is like my mother and father. Some of our children say that. Now, does that break your heart or do you just think that's funny? I don't want to be married if it's like that. They hate each other. Dad has his room, his television. Wife has her, her room, her television, and never the two meet. I've had the young person say to me, my parents have given up. They don't love each other. They don't even pretend to love each other. 
那有人告诉我说，我的父母亲根本就也也也不努力的去彼此相爱，他们根本就已经就失去了信心。This is our state.这就是我们今日的光景。This is why we share this morning on the importance of sanctified marriage.所以我们今天要分享说，这个圣洁的婚姻是何等的重要。Well, I think rather than just feel bad about I think we need to do what the Bible says and draw near to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace. Lord, lift our marriages to higher ground. Help us, Lord. How does this happen? How can we go to higher ground? Now, dear brother, sister, I hope you haven't given up on marriage being better than it is. I hope you're not satisfied just with lower ground. But how do we go up? Now, there's one thing needful before we can go up at all. There's an interesting verse if you'll turn there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul actually is going to deal with this matter of headship and head covering. But he says something that we should take a closer look at in verse 3 of chapter 11. Because this is a very important uh, matter to understand. Verse 3, it says, I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. Now you see that man is mentioned twice in that verse. But they're two different Greek words. I don't know about the Chinese translation. But first it says, Christ is the head of every man and woman. And then secondly it says, and that the man, being a male, is the head of the woman. I just make this simple point. The only way we come to higher ground is when we, man and woman, submit ourselves to Christ, our head. It isn't just for the it isn't just for the husband to submit to Christ as head. It's for the wife to submit themselves to Christ as head. This is the very beginning. Unless we're consecrated before our God, then he cannot do the consecrating and sanctifying work he designed. Now when we want to rise to higher ground, and as we recognize as we are naked before our God with all of our flesh, what is the first step? How do we connect back to the Lord in our marriages in a three-way life? Having come and surrendered ourselves to the Lord, the first absolute thing we must do 
is forgive. There is a mountain of anger that must be forgiven. A mountain of disappointments that must be thrown into the sea. There's a mountain of offenses and some who have lists written down. But until by faith we say mountain be moved and thrown into the sea, we can't get the first base in this matter of sanctification. You remember how our uh, uh, the Apostle Paul said, Do not let the sun go down on your anger. There's some husbands or wives who barely talk. They have so much against one another. We have garbage cans full of resentments. Only the Lord can sweep them away as we forgive. So the Lord tells us clearly, do you want to be a marriage in the kingdom of God? Then if you don't forgive, I will not forgive you. Have you been forgiven? Have you been forgiven? Then you forgive your debtors. Take all those debts, throw them out. The grace of God allows us to throw the past away. Now, can you do that? Or is it in your interest to hold on to things? No. And for the husband, what does it say so clearly in 1 Peter? Husbands, we want to pursue the Lord. But we treat our wives harshly, not knowing that it hinders our prayers. What husband here can pursue the Lord who has offended and not been loving to his wife? Satisfied we have a problem with brothers growing spiritually. And much of it is over this matter of respecting and loving our wives. It's a very practical matter. Oh, Adam has so many expectations in marriage. And expectations are sure to be disappointed. I'm almost fearful when I see a wedding. Oh, the bride wants the best wedding and the best banquet and the best presents and the best husband. And oh, he's going to love me every day just like he does today. And he's going to whisk me off in a nice limousine and all this stuff. <laughs> So take all of those expectations and put them in the picture book and close it up. 
Because we're married to a sinner saved by grace. Now wives. Now it's interesting in all three passages dealing with the marriage, the wife has to be spoken to first by the Lord. And then all three, Ephesians, Colossians, and First Peter, it starts out the same way. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Now there it is. That may go against your flesh and go against your independence, but that's exactly God's will for your life. But, uh, but Paul gives us further light in Ephesians, right? He says, submit yourselves unto your husband as unto the Lord. Now we know Christ came to this earth and submitted to the Father. Now we know the church submits to Christ as our head. And dear sister, when you submit yourself to your husband, you're submitting yourself right through to Christ. You are doing it for His glory. The Lord will bless you for that. You realize what your husband is going through. The world is out to destroy him. To make him feel useless. To work him harder and harder and pay him less and less. To treat him meanly. Now when he comes home, he needs to find an encourager. Not a nagger. He needs somebody who's fixed up the house, not somebody who's been shopping, spending money all day. He needs a wife who's making arrows out of the sticks of their children. He needs a wife who's submitted to the Lord in such a way that the Lord has become her fulfillment. Now I wish your husband could be everything you need. But that'll only be when Christ is your husband. Your husband can't meet all your needs. Speak to the woman at the well who was married five times. You'll see that doesn't do the trick. But take your fulfillment in the Lord Jesus. And be a true helper. Stand by your husband's side. And a miracle will happen. He'll draw near to you. He wants to be close to your side. But when you're too demanding, he stays away. Isn't there one place a man can go where he's not told asked to do this and do that? Oh, what a wonderful thing it is when a woman takes her place. 
A few weeks ago in Manhattan on a Monday evening, we had an Indian man from India come and speak with us. His father in India was the Hindu Pope, the highest man. He, as a young man, was a movie star in India movies. And then a millionaire in business. But he had a search for God in his heart that he could not find from his father or from wealth until he found it in his wife. He says, I went to churches, I couldn't find God. I found God in my wife. That's just what it says in First Peter. Oh, may you find the grace of God to stand into your calling, your high calling as a wife. Now, brothers, the Lord speaks to husbands as well. Can you give me one reason for your bitterness? For you being critical? For you pushing yourself away from your wife? Is there one reason? There is one reason. The Bible talks about it. And the reason is, you've let bitterness get into your heart. And why? Because you, sir, have come short of the grace of God. Husbands are to be full of grace. Full of the Holy Spirit. Not short of grace and a root of bitterness come in there. Let's acknowledge our flesh when it's surely there. Whatever games of pride and selfishness you're playing, they need repentance. Repentance before God. That was not God's plan for marriage. Now what is God's plan? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Full of grace. Love your wives. Lay down your life for your wife. She's your vine. Oh, if we see a vine walking around here with no flowers and no fruit, shame on that husband. He's made her bitter. He's dried her up. I'm sorry these things upset me. Because I'm an old man. And I've married people for the last 45 years. Now, I've been married for 
Now I see what the husbandman has done 30, 40 years later. Some of those women are mean, selfish, nasty. They've lost all their beauty. And the husband will stand before the judgment seat of Christ because of that. You did not nourish that vine. But God's intention is for you to lay your life down now and nourish her now. How can we make that practical? Give her three gifts. Okay, Spend time with her. I, don't mean time together watching television. Number two. Talk to her. Oh, you'd be surprised how much the lady wants you to talk. And third. Walk with her. Is that so hard? But no, my selfish life, oh, I work so hard, I just get home, just want to sit in a chair, bring me my food, watch the telly, go to sleep. Well, in about another ten years, the women will be able to buy a robot that can do that. And how about a friend? A listener, a walker, spend some time. Oh, we, we, may be, we may soon see some budding vines. Because men, don't you realize what women are going through today? What the world is doing to them? Telling them to rebel. Get rid of a foolish man. You can live your own life. You don't need those guys. Or, if a wife stays at home to raise her children, she's useless, foolish, no purpose. So every magazine she reads tells her those things. And only the truth coming from your love can expose those lies. Tell her you're grateful for her. And raising your children. Tell her of her value. These are not lies. This is the truth before God. And you ask forgiveness for treating your wife so poorly. You see, brothers and sisters, we need to repent. But I would not hold a service for repentance here.但是我不是希望讲一篇道呢，是讲到悔改这件事情，一件事情。Problems would happen.我们是有许多的问题的。Husbands would start preaching at the wives through the prayers.那许多的弟兄会借着祷告就开始向他们的妻子传道。
or some wives would repent before everybody and uh, display too much of their nakedness. Here is the one thing that I would ask. If you're a husband or you're a wife, and you want to move to higher ground, I suggest that you repent to one another. In the sight of God, that you forgive and throw away all those things that you hold against your spouse. That you come before the Lord and make sure the marriage looks like this. You seek the Lord together. In the cool of the day. You do what you've been called to do. You know, it's never too late. Why? Because the Spirit of God is working in you. And the cross is working on you. There's no marriage that's perfect here today. I see, I see some sisters, maybe they're in Proverbs chapter 30, but not 31 yet. I see some brothers, they're not quite Solomon yet. But we're sinners saved by grace. And can I say one more thing? I've seen many beautiful things in my life. But when I see a beautiful husband and wife together, it's of all things most beautiful to me. They could be physically ugly as two pumpkins. <laughs> but when they're truly one, we see the beauty. And the children say, when I grow up, I want to be a pumpkin. Now is that too much to ask of us as we're raising our children? That our children could desire to be like the husband and the wife who's raising them. This is a high calling. We're treading on the upward way. We no longer want to stay in the world's understanding of marriage. Now let's move to holy ground. The Lord will soon come back for his bride. Right now, this is our perfecting work that he's doing by the Spirit. We see that in the precious word of God, practical advice on how to be a good husband and a good wife. And may we just close and I will pray, as I said, we'll leave this to people going home and doing business at home with their families. Well, let's pray that the Lord will do something among us. That will be for His glory.
Our Father, we come to you. We see the way Jesus submitted to you while he was upon this earth. So we, we come to our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, you're our master. Where else can we go? You have the life that we need. Life is a son and daughter. Life is a husband and wife. Oh, we bow before you, Master. We acknowledge our sinful ways. We've settled for less. Now we want to move the holy ground. Do separate us from the world's lies and ways. And bring us into the fullness of your plan for us. We pray that great grace would be upon us all. That there's not be a cause for accusation, a cause for bitterness, but a cause for mending and a cause for healing. Oh Jesus, we need the balm of Gilead upon our marriages to heal our sickness. We pray for couples who are having a hard time talking to each other. We pray for couples who have given up. Oh Lord, call them to higher ground. We pray for couples who are on the way. And are finding themselves being brought together by the Holy Spirit. Oh, let their testimony shine. And even there behind closed doors in their home. Let the children see. This is the blessed life. Oh, Lord, do raise up marriage in our midst. Marriage that's found higher ground. We humble ourselves before you. I don't believe there's anybody here who can point the finger at others. Surely we have much to forgive. And much to repent. But thank you for your grace and mercy. Oh, teach us thy ways, O oh Lord. And we can walk and be pleasing unto thee. We know, we know unless you build the house, we would labor in vain. But we believe you have great purpose for our brothers and sisters. Do that mighty work of your spirit. We kneel at the foot of your cross. And together as husband and wife, we shed our tears at the foot of the cross. That you might have your way in glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe we could just sing once again the first verse of the hymn we sang before.